Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Today we're reading Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendour and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the junipers, the high mountains belong to the wild goats, the crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night. And all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labour until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed, to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. 
Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Just checking this is on. I think it's on. Sounds like it's on. Uh, welcome. So good to see you. I thank you for that wonderful Bible reading. Just to answer Pete's question about my favorite things uh, of 40 degree weather, uh, the answer is simple. Uh, nothing. Uh, once it gets past 35 degrees, that's it for me. Um, and yesterday was another hot day. Uh, I think it got to 38 or thereabouts. And uh, we spent the day moving all of our furniture um, out and uh, to my parents' house because we're moving out. Um, so that was not a great day. I, but, <laughs> but anyway, my name is Aaron Chidsey, if you don't know me. Um, I love being up here. Um, I just very quickly want to uh, take this moment. Um, and the, our principal is right there, so I'm hoping to get some brownie points. But voice training... Uh, we offer some amazing, in my opinion, amazing diploma and certificate courses in ministry and leadership and management, uh, and we've uh, designed them around uh, your busy lives and schedules, and we can make them accessible and easy for you. Uh, and if you like listening to my voice, uh, then you get to hear me more often, and so um, hopefully you like my voice and you'll want to come along. And so if you would like to have some more information about that. Uh, I will actually won't be here afterwards because I have to go off to Forestdale to preach over there. Uh, but look us up online at Voice uh, Training, uh, and I hope you'll come along because uh, it will make me look really good. <laughs> um, so let me pray, and we'll look at uh, what is perhaps one of my favorite psalms. So let's get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father... Lord, how good is it to just be able to say, praise your name. Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Lord, I pray that you will be here today, that you'll make your presence known, that we can reflect on our lives and on the world uh, through your spirit. Thank you for your grace and for your love. And I pray that you'll open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to hear from you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So, sorry, let me just open that. Um, I really like this psalm uh, for a couple of reasons, because it appeals to my, uh, perhaps my love for being outside, and, and I like gardening and doing all that sort of stuff, but it also appeals to my kind of nerdy theological side. Um, but it, there, there's this just real emotion in this psalm. And I just wonder if, I'm sure we've all had these moments where we've been out in nature or in the world or doing something, and just something has struck us, and we've been overwhelmed by this sense of beauty uh, or awe. And we just can't help but reflect. Uh, for me, I love to travel. Uh, I love to experience these incredible landscapes and stand in these incredibly old cathedrals. We went last year to uh, Europe and I got to plan the trip. Um, 
which might have been good, might not have been for them, but because I got to choose the places we went to, and a lot of it was designed around seeing these incredible architectural uh, buildings, these incredible architectural uh, sites, uh, such as Cologne Cathedral. Uh, we went to Germany and we saw this enormous cathedral. But just standing in these old, old buildings, I, I just get, I don't know if it's the same for anyone here, but I just get the sense of being a part of history. The air is just thick with history. And I just can't help but stand there and just take it all in and feel like I'm just part of this bigger whole. Uh, same with places like Stonehenge, uh, which is crazy old. You just can't help but feel like this is uh, a place of significant history that is so old. But there's also places in nature uh, that, I, that I love. We went to New Zealand uh, and there's a place called Milford Sound. Has anyone else been to Milford Sound? Great. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. I think it, it rains almost every day of the year. It's windy and there's just cliff faces coming straight up out of the water. And I remember we caught, we got on a boat and we were going around and I was loving it. It was pouring with rain, uh, but I was at the front of the boat and at the back outside looking at everything while the rest of the family was kind of um, under the blankets inside. <laughs> but I, I it just got this sense of, wow. Same with Margaret River. It could well be my favorite place. Margaret River, just the bush and the beach um, and all the produce. Uh, but another place that my wife and I went to recently uh, was in South Africa. Uh, we went to Kruger National Park. Uh, and so we went on a few safaris where you get up before sunrise so that you're in the park, you're driving around, and it's just amazing countryside, amazing animals everywhere. And then everything just starts getting a bit brighter and everything turns this amazing purple an orange and gold glow. And there were just a few moments at, at, while we were exploring the park where I, I just got this overwhelming sense of just awe. And it's just amazing. And I think these moments, which I'm pretty confident most of us have experienced in some way, they cause us to reflect about who we are, uh, about the world, and about our place in the world. Uh, we feel small, maybe, when we look up at the skies. Uh, well, we feel like we're part of this long, long history. It just makes us think, and it points us beyond ourselves, points us to, to something more, to a broader community of people, to broader cultures, but also to something above, something higher. It causes us to think about the possibility of God. We just can't help but sense, wow, there must be something more. And I think a lot of the Psalms uh, convey this emotion. Uh, Psalm 8 says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is humanity that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. 
of Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And our psalmist this morning is also reflecting on creation. He's having this moment of awe, and he's, praise the Lord, O my soul, everything, praise the Lord. But in particular, the author seems to focus on the orderliness of creation. The author seems to be overwhelmed by creation, but particularly the intricacies and how everything fits and works together and how God is kind of sourcing this life. And throughout Psalm 104, uh, he's, the, the author is reflecting on the Jewish uh, creation story that we find in Genesis 1. So the author is having this incredible moment and is reflecting on this moment uh, scripturally, thinking back about God, thinking to God and what God has done. So I would like to do something now. I would like us to think, if we can, of a moment when we've been in nature or in the world that's overwhelmed us. Maybe you've seen an incredible sunset or skiing down amazing mountainscapes and you've just felt, wow. Have that in your mind. I'm going to read out just a very quick overview of Genesis 1. And then I'm going to read the first half of Psalm 104 again. And hopefully we can see how uh, Genesis 1 is in Psalm 104, and maybe we'll start feeling these emotions as well. So if you've got that moment in your mind, in Genesis 1, of course it begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. But on day one, God says, let there be light, and there was light. And he separated the light from the dark. There was day and there was night. On day two, God says, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the sky from the water. So he creates the sky and the ground. On the third day, he says, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the, the dry ground appear. And it was so. So there was sea, the oceans, and there was land. And he created vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it. And the land produced vegetation. And that was the third day. Then on the fourth day, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, God created uh, the governors of these particular domains. So on the fourth day, God created uh, the stars and the moon and the sun to look after the day and the night. On the fifth day, he created the, uh, the birds and all the sea creatures to look after the sky and the sea. And then on the sixth day, God created all of the land animals, and then, of course, humanity. It's very, very structured. It's very ordered. 
Then when we come to we come back to Psalm 104. The psalmist is saying, "Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of the upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes wind his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that are planted. There the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the, the conies. I'm not sure what a coney is, but the moon marks off the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forests prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor, until evening. So what I'm trying to kind of bring out is how the psalmist is having this moment of, wow, something has made him look at creation, look at the world and think, wow, and has turned back to God and has thought about the creation account Here it says that the Lord wraps himself in light and stretches the heavens like a tent. There are clouds and wind, the earth and the waters. So God is creating light and day. He's stretching out the sky and the, and the, uh, sorry, and the ground. And then at your rebuke, the waters fled and the land appeared. So God separates the water from the land and all the mountains appeared. And then all of the, the animals came. And so did the food for humans. Uh, and we know that this psalmist uh, was really a poet at heart because of all of the things that, the, uh, that we can cultivate and get from creation. The first thing he talks about is wine. He, he probably would love Margaret River as well. But he, he also talks about God making the moon and the sun 
brings darkness and night and light and day, sea creatures uh, and the frolicking leviathan, uh, which I think was a whale, uh, because you can get whales in the Mediterranean. But ultimately, all of these things owe their existence and their meaning to God. The psalmist says, How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them. All creatures look to you and give them their food at the proper time. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord uh, rejoice in his works. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. So I wonder when we look out at nature, when we think about that moment of awe, do we do as this psalmist did and see God? Because this psalmist, he, he gets the story of creation. That it was not an accident. It was not an accident, but it was ordered, structured, and suffused with beauty, mystery, and purpose. Because most other ancient mythologies tend to view creation very differently. Uh, It's very often an accident or an afterthought. Or perhaps just to amuse the deities. For example, in the ancient Greek creation myth, uh, there were a few gods who created a few other gods which made some other gods jealous or threatened, and ultimately one of the gods uh, was castrated with a sickle, um, and uh, his member fell into the ocean, which subsequently brought forth life. Um, yeah, that was a... <laughs> uh, uh, and then in the ancient Egyptian mythology, uh, the god Atum was lonely. Uh, he created a couple of children, uh, these other gods, who went out on a journey and came back, he, he missed them dearly and he wept with joy when they returned. And the tears gave birth to humanity. Now, I'm not wanting to trivialize these mythologies because they are simply humans trying to make sense of the world and their place in it with what information they had uh, available. But it, these creation myths were very often uh, humanity came about as an accident or as an afterthought, whereas the Jewish creation story uh, is very different uh, in the fact that God creates the world, the animals and the humans, purposefully and intentionally. And the author of Psalm 104 picks up on that and is reflecting uh, on humanity's place within the broader scheme of the universe, that everything has a purpose and fits within this broader cosmic ecosystem all of the all of these animals are eating from the creation creation which gets its source from the waters waters which come because of god so when we reflect when we have these moments of awe and amazement at creation at the beauty of creation we can that can cause us to think and consider the possibility of something more, the possibility of God. But for me, what is most significant is not all that amazing stuff, but it is in the fact that we can understand and know 
those things in the universe. It is our ability to actually think and reason which points to the probability, I think, of the existence of God. For the simple reason that if our mind didn't come from a logical and reasonable source, then there is no real reason for us to trust what our mind is telling us. You see, I've just started a job, uh, and they gave me a new work laptop, uh, which is pretty cool. But imagine if they gave me the laptop and said, actually, this laptop was created by a moron. I don't think I would be particularly excited about that laptop. Or if they said that the laptop just appeared, was not produced according to a rational plan, if all of the parts in the laptop, all the little intricate parts, just kind of fell together with no uh, logical process guiding it, I might not trust its ability to accomplish what I need it to accomplish. But if I know that the laptop was created by someone very smart and who knows how to build good laptops, I think I would trust the laptop. And I think it's the same with our brains. If our brains did not come from a logical process, I cannot assume that my brain is accomplishing what I need it to accomplish, especially if our bodies and brains are wired primarily for survival. If we say there is no rational being behind our brains, can we trust our brains? But I think we can say that our brains are logical and rational and the universe is ordered because we do use our brains and we get things accomplished. We test the universe and everything in it and it keeps coming back with the same results. So we know that rationality does exist and this reflects the psalm that we are looking at today and it reflects Genesis 1 which shows creation as ordered and purposeful and intentional. Creation is not an accident but it is very deliberate. So creation can lead us to an overwhelming sense of the possibility of God. Paul, the Apostle Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. However, I don't think this necessarily points to a relational God. The author of Psalm 104 has had an overwhelming sense of awe as he has considered and reflected upon creation and has turned back to God in praise and has turned back to the Jewish scriptures, knowing that the God of these scriptures is a God of relationship who reached out to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and who journeyed with the Israelites. As we reflect on creation, we know that this God is a relational God because he has revealed himself in his son, Jesus, who became human. As we reflect on creation, we should also reflect on Christ, knowing what was written in Colossians 1 verses 15 to 17 it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. 
For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. May we do as the psalmist did, reflect on our experience of nature in light of what we know about creation. We know that Christ was present at creation. We know that he is in all things. The act of creation was deliberate and purposeful, and this all happened through and for Christ. If we get an overwhelming experience of nature, perhaps a beautiful sunset, a dramatic mountainous landscape, or the enormous expanse of the ocean, let us be overwhelmed by the love of Christ, knowing that as we look at nature, we look at Christ. And just one final thought. What do people see when they look at us? Does it ever happen that people look at us and are overwhelmed by a sense of the divine? You know, I, I think it does, but perhaps not as much as it should. As Christians, we are, after all, the salt and the light in the earth. We are called to demonstrate the love of God to everyone we encounter, so that when they look at us, they look at Christ. In Psalm 104, verses 31, oh sorry, verse 31, it says, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. For the psalmist, God's glory is obvious in creation. But God's glory, I suggest, is now also in us, in the church. We are the ones who proclaim this love and this glory. So to give a summary and a challenge, as the psalmist can hear, look at creation and turn back to God, we can look at creation and turn back to Christ. Christ is in and through all things. So when we look at creation, we look at Christ. But as Christians, Christ is within us. So when people look at us, they look at Christ. And here's the challenge. What Christ are we revealing? When the world looks at us, do they see a Christ of love and selflessness? Because if not, something needs to change. Creation cannot help but demonstrate the glory of God. And that's the same for us. It should be that we cannot help but demonstrate the love and glory of Christ. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of order, a God of creativity, and not a God of chaos or accident. 
Thank you, Lord, that you have created us deliberately. You've created us for the purpose of relationship and reflecting your glory. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. And I pray that you give us the discernment and the ability to be able to see you around us in creation and know that you are a God of relationship, a God who became one of us to enable relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your love. Thank you, Lord. Amen.